those sons. Magic trackpad or built-in. So this magic trackpad got force touch? Oh, no. What a crappy tip this is. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 166 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitro and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. Jaime can't be with us, and Tammy's missing in action, and Greg is standing on his head down in Singapore. Staying on his head? They're, are they in the Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere, Singapore? I think they're in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Anyway, but he's they're at, probably uh, pretty close to the equator. Right, right, right. Let's check maps right now. Yeah. All right, while you're checking the map there, I will um, bring up a couple of topics that we, one, actually want to talk to you about, but... Uh, uh, for sure. But we had a couple of Ask MTJC um, comments. One was a question as to whether I should update to Xcode 901 or does it actually cause more issues than it solves? So let me ask you, Mark, have you tried Xcode 901 yet? Nine, oh, I'm actually on 9.1 now. I've installed the beta. Oh, 9.1. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had been using 9.0x, whatever the versions were. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's definitely worth upgrading to because there's a lot of new features especially some of the source control things that we talked about last time and and but I was finding that it, it was kind of buggy. There's a there's a lot more crashes than in Xcode 8. Um, I, I seem to get uh, uh, spinners a lot, beach ball spinners a lot more, especially working with storyboards. Storyboards seem to get uh, beach balls a lot in this version. Uh, so I, I upgraded to 9.1 uh, mainly because of what we talked about last time uh, regarding the new error messages, the improved error messaging. Uh, and I was also hoping it would fix some of the issues with that. I was seeing, uh, and and I can't say that it has. I'm still seeing a lot of beach balls, and, and it's just kind of slow, laggy performance overall. I'm kind of disappointed to say. Yeah. So, can uh, you ship to the App Store with 9.1? No, that's a good question. I ha- that hasn't come up yet, so I don't know. Right. Okay. Question. You're still early in the pro- production, yep. I guess. You guys. I have but... done uh, test flight uh, builds to. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 No problem. But I have not done a uh, a uh, official App Store release. So I, I guess actually you can because test flight accepted it uh, or. Rather their uh, iTunes Connect accepted it. I don't see. Yeah, I did see something about get your apps ready for. I think we all got the email last week sometime about get your apps ready for um, for uh, the iPhone 10. Um, right. I'm currently running 9.0 here at uh, at home. I I'm actually surprised by how the the um, the um, submission process has changed. I've I've been updating my apps for the App Store. Like I've been I worked on you know my device tracker app for the iPhone 10, and I've been changing some like getting rid of some of the deprecated methods that I had in there. I had the old popover style in there for uh, popovers, and I've moved over to the new one, the popover presenter controller. Yeah, much nicer now. Yeah, and uh, getting rid of the old alert views I had. And now going to the I think the iOS 8 version or Xcode 8 version of um, no, I guess iOS 8 version of the alert view controller, I think it's called, yeah, right? Some of the stuff is a couple of years old already, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I just, I'm, I'm just catching up on that yeah. stuff, right? Last year was a big refactor to get multitasking support in there. But so anyway, when I went to submit it, um, it's the whole submission process has completely changed. Like I used to always sort of manage my own profiles and, pro- and provisioning profiles and, you know, have it all set up by that. And I wasn't reusing the, the automatic, you know, managing of signing, right? But, oh, yeah. but, but I found it very difficult. Like you you can't do that now. So, so I just turned on the automatic, uh, ma- automatic signing and, uh, yeah, it just, and, and then when you get to, uh, when you archive the file and you go to upload it to the app store, now there's a manual version of that where you manually choose the certificate that you want to sign it with, which again, just created a whole bunch of roadblocks for me. So I tried the automatics version of that and that went lickety split up to the, to the app store. So that, like what I'm saying, that whole sort of, all that sort of manual, you know, old school kind of gray haired, long beard, you know, kind of ways that we kind of approach things with being older developers, you and I, um, I found that, yeah, the, the, the young kid tools are working really well, right? Yeah. So, yeah. The automatic provisioning is, is great. Uh, I remember you were talking about you were having some problems with it a, a few months ago. Yeah. Well, I think, probably, I think, I, I think it was just before Christmas, I was trying to update uh, it's a side story here. So I have another app called security manual, which, uh, I just went, when I logged into, to, 
to update device tracker. Um, I noticed I had one of those alerts from Apple saying there's there's an issue with one of your apps. It had a little badge on the icon, right? So I, I drilled into it and it said that, you know, we're thinking of clearing this app out of the app store because you haven't updated it in a while. And I, and I, I went, that's weird because I, I tend to look at all of my apps, you know, every year, right? And uh, every every time, every time, here around this time of year, right? And it turned out I did actually update the app for, or um, in December of last year, but I never submitted that version, uh-huh. right? So, Oops. yeah. So, so anyway, so I had to scramble and go in and, and do it. And no, of course, now you have to have a 12.9 inch iPad. Yeah. Uh, images and and uh, oh now you also have to include a ten by twenty four ten twenty four by ten twenty four uh, marketing image has to be in the bundle yeah now. and you have to have a five and a half inch screen uh, screenshot yeah which I which I've had for years yeah 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 for the yeah. iPhone five that was right no, no, uh, oh no, you no. mean the five and a half for the five for the six inch, seven, so eight. The, yeah the yeah seven plus yeah. or eight plus yeah yeah and they added that thing like I think last year or year before where you could we could put the one big image in and it would they would scale it down for the other guys mm-hmm. but but it hasn't gone to the point where it's asking for an iPhone 10 image, but I think that's probably coming in the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah, probably. Well, they won't do that until the phone's been released, probably. That's good. I mean, the orders go in the end of next week, the 27th, right? Friday, well, next Friday. But it won't ship for a while. Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I find, I'm finding that the, I just wanted to say segue there about the side, side uh, or sort of the automatic signing is like super, super select, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really liking the way that you can submit and you have this activity screen or it's just a kind of a, a dashboard of all your builds. Yeah, you can choose to make make them a test flight build or or an official release build. I, I really like the way that works on the app store or during the submission process. You mean during the submission process? Yeah, that that summary screen that comes up, where it's sort of like a like a table view. It's just got all the parameters that you've like you, you, after the first progress bar, after it bets your settings, and it gives you one last look at it before you push submit. That one you mean? No, I'm talking about there's there's the when you first upload, you get you you get uh, a listing on the activity screen, right? Right. Show up on the activity screen, and you're talking about in Xcode now, right? No, in iTunes Connect. Oh yeah, in iTunes Connect. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah and then you yeah. can choose to make something a test flight build or a release build, or you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you can do phase releases, and you can yep. clear your clear your um, your uh, reviews and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I left all that stuff alone, but mm-hmm. I know it last not this time for device tracker. I'm not ready to release yet, but the last time I did an update for device tracker, which was probably six months ago, I did the I tried the phase release thing where it would you know mm. stagger out mm-hmm. so but I don't, I don't have like millions of, of downloads i have like maybe seven or eight thousand for that app right so i just always curious to see what would happen yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing to really write home to mom about on that one yep. yeah <laughs> yeah i have to confess that i'm still i'm still behind on updating some of my apps i still have a couple of apps that uh aren't 64-bit compatible so they've they're currently unusable and i'm i've been getting some support emails wondering when they're really? updated <laughs> yeah okay so you're getting those notifications too i haven't got an actual email from it, but but I did see the warning in iTunes Connect when I went in there to look at it. No, no, I'm saying from users. I'm getting emails from users. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because they may maybe they've updated to iOS 11 already. Right. Because right. there's that they just don't run on iOS 11. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I had to I had to walk away from a few apps too, which is which is yeah too bad. I have a few that I won't be. I mean that I used. I will, not the ones that oh, I created. Oh, I see. I, was, I see. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know if I have Look Again. Now I have Look Again on my phone. <laughs> Sorry. Look Again. I just updated. Oh. Wow. Well, okay, two cool. weeks ago or recently. Well, I, I love to I love to drive drive Greg crazy with screenshots from my phone because I let me just have a look here just so Greg can can uh, this will curdle his milk. Um, let's see, App Store it's over here. I have ninety nine apps waiting to be updated on my phone. Oh, <laughs> that that drives him crazy. So you have <laughs> a customer are are a developer's nightmare. <laughs> How's that? Because I don't I don't do the update. updates. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have the automatic. I never turn the automatic updates on. I don't know. I just really, um, I do. I just I just let it go. Well, okay. Here's here's one of my pet peeves. Okay, so you know, I I I, t- I tend to think I I do log in really well, especially on server side stuff. But um, it really bothers me that every time I update my OS or update an app, that it loses my password. Like if you if you like you know Facebook or like Facebook's pretty good at this. Like you log into Facebook, you know, and then you come back to Facebook next week, and it just logs you in, right? Because they're obviously putting your credentials in the keychain or whatever. Yeah. Or they're doing some sort of signing on 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 sign in that doesn't 
require you to log in again. And I did the same thing with Two Life. In fact, the real real reason why I implemented um, automatic login and saving of that stuff in Two Life is because I kept doing builds and builds and builds and builds. And every time I every time I did a build and run, I'd have to log in again, right? right. So I just got to the point where I just said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to sit down one day and I figured out how to do proper login with the keychain and mm-hmm. and you know user defaults and stuff like that. So now it just remembers my credentials. Every time I did a build and run, it would just log me in, right? So it was actually for me that I wrote that, right? Mm-hmm. But it bothers me that every time, like I just, I, I, I'm going to talk about this a bit later, but I, I just, I, I just redid my phone. I, I, I reinstalled uh, iOS 11 on it. Um, and now I have to go through and I forgot that all my iTunes get erased when you do that kind of stuff. And, and all of the apps that, that I now had to re-download again, that would have remembered my password. Like I do have a backup and I did restore from backup, but doesn't, they don't restore that kind of stuff. Is that maybe because the keychain doesn't get restored or something in the backup? I, 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 honestly have to say I'm not, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about because I can update my phone and I never have to enter new passwords for for cer- certain apps. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, think like the yeah, Starbucks app for one. Starbucks app is one, for instance, right? Where it doesn't like every time I every time I do a, an OS update or whatever, I have to or the app itself updates. I have to go and re-enter my credentials again. I've, I just went and bought a coffee the other day and okay, I had to enter I'm my password. Logging into Starbucks right now, or I'm opening up Starbucks right now, and no, remember it remembers. Well, maybe Starbucks isn't the one I'm remembering, but but very often it just drives me crazy. These yeah. guys, these developers can't figure this stuff out. Like, yeah, it's not no, that I mean, That different. would drive me crazy too, but <laughs> I wonder if you have some setting, some extra tight security setting somewhere. No, I don't know. I, well, I, I can tell you, I tell you one for sure. One for sure is a bank app. It's not not the bank I work at, but another well, one. Okay, yeah, my bank app, I have to I have to put in my password every single time, which I think is a good thing. That's, it doesn't have Touch ID or whatever? Oh, well, yeah, I can use Touch ID, sure, sure. Okay, so so this particular app here, I had Touch ID in the, in the I had Touch, I was using Touch ID to log in, so, so it had remembered my login password, mm-hmm. presumably put it in the keychain using my, you know, the touch ID stored in the secure enclave to let me into the app, right? Mm-hmm. And yet when I did this this uh, redo of my app, I don't want to go into too much detail because it's going to spoil my thing I'll talk about later. Okay. But um, when, it, when I did the redo, uh, I went to use the app and it's and I went to use touch ID and it because it didn't store my password, huh. right? So because that's how touch ID works is, is they the, it allows you to go into the keychain and retrieve the password, right? Or something to that effect. Right. Um, I'm sure every app's different. But in this particular case, even after I did the update, even though the Touch ID had credential had been re, re, you know, restored onto the phone. No, actually, you know, I had to set, I had to set the Touch ID up again on the phone. But I, for some reason, this particular bank app, like the TD app, the, what, the app bank I work at, the Touch ID worked, right? But the, this other bank didn't remember my password. And I had to key it in again. And, to, and now it works with Touch ID, no problem, right? But, yeah. So it had lost the credential. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand why these developers can't. Go read my tutorial on Wayrunner. Like, it talks about how to use keychain. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and it's now written in Swift. You know, Swift three. I'm going to update it for Swift four soon. But you know, seriously, like, holy cow! Yeah, anyway, that's my rant. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's our ask it or ask MTJC, and I just want to throw a shout out to uh, Mingy ninety two. That's who sent that one in, and me is Matthew Ingerson. We talked about him last couple times, I think. Right? Because my jokes are never funny, and he works in the computer. So, mm. but yeah, I think he um, he asked us one of our questions before. But he's he's asked us about uh, about whether we should update to nine one. So what's the verdict on that? What do you think on nine one nine nine dot zero one? Oh well, yeah, I would say for sure update to nine zero one. Yeah, because of the extra features. Yep. Just like I said, be aware that there's there's going to be some. Well, at least for me, I, I've seen some laggy performance. And yeah, you know, I think that I think the Xcode is just one of those. Like well, Apple in general is just one of those. It's it's weird the kind of different kind of issues people are having because you and I won't have the same issues even though we're running the same you know. Right. Theoretically, the same OS and the same whatever, because um, like sometimes, like I have issues with my sound cards and you know other things that that. And you have you've always had problems with storyboards, right? Well, I do so, I do some sort of fancy stuff in storyboards, uh, as you know. You know, I do a lot of uh, pretty intricate constraints and things like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's where you tend to run into issues. If uh, very often, if if you have one constraint not set right, uh, or you're, you're in the middle of setting up your constraints and it's not done yet, then it will. Right. Get a lot yeah. of beach balls as it tries to figure out what what's going on, and it, and sometimes it just can't very well. It's trying to sure. trying to to uh, run the constraint engine based on what on, on what you've got in there, and it's just not complete yet. So so it, it it tends to spin a long time when you do that. But I have found once once everything is is set up and it's working, most of the time things come back to normal and, and are fine. But I have seen one thing in this version that is very strange. There's there's a process that runs. Uh, it's 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 clearly an interface builder process.
process. And if you go into Activity Monitor, uh, you'll see it pinned to 99% of your CPU. And, really? and I've, wow. seen, I've seen as many as four processes all pinned at 99% trying to run at the same time in my Activity Monitor. Wow. Uh, yeah. just, from, just from, you know, running Interface Builder. And of course, when that happens, you're you're seeing beach balls. I mean, that's it, things grind to a halt. And, and uh, the only way I've been able to get out of that mode sometimes is just to restart Xcode and then it goes away and and uh, stays away for a little while. Eventually, it might come back. But yeah, but I find I find the OS in general beach balls. I, I'm not sure I would throw Xcode necessarily under the bus, mind you. What I do remember from my um, what I want to say about my my Mac days is that um, the beach ball is a process called spin dump. So and you can sometimes if you go to the Activity View, you can you can look for speed, uh, spin dump and it'll tell you what processes um, causing the issue yeah. and you can force it to create or whatever. But so check for spin dump the next time you, you see the beach ball. Well, happening. in this case, it's it's very clear from Activity Monitor what's going on because there's the right, process right. that I was talking about that shows up. Oh, okay. Yeah, see. well, beach ball's real name yeah, is spin dump. Monitor, <laughs> I'm just seeing if I can find out what... Call, don't do it while we're doing the podcast. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, real time. Yeah, it crashes his Mac. Oh, we'll wait five minutes while Mark restarts his Mac. Yeah. No, no, um, I wasn't going yeah. to uh, make it happen. I was gonna... What happens if I unplug this cable right here? Click. <laughs> I'm going to look in my activity monitor for a historical case. Oh, can you do that? Okay. Well, you can see you can see a lot of processes that are now at zero percent CPU that are right, right. Uh, you were running at one time and now are just kind of in a background mode. Sure. But I don't see it right now, so yeah, I can help you. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, I just remember when we when uh, OS X first came out. OS sorry, 10. did I just say that? OS ten. Sorry, uh, OS ten first came out. Um, we were we were telling us about spin dump at an Apple thing I went to once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I think it was Steve Hammond. Hey, Steve, who told us about that. Um, so uh, we have another uh, Ask MTJC, and this is from the Free DOS Project. And it's obviously because we were talking about MS-DOS uh, last couple of shows. Right. And the Free DOS Project, this is the podcast, or so the, the Twitter handle is at FreeDOS underscore project. Um, and they have a website called FreeDOS.org. And according to the tin, it says it is a complete free DOS-compatible operating system that you can use to play classic DOS games, run legacy business software and develop embedded systems, any program that works on MS-DOS should run on FreeDOS. Hmm. So I guess the question is, does it support... Does it work on the Mac? 64-bit processors, I wonder, right? Like, that would be the question, right? Because wasn't that the thing with, with DOS? Is it, it First of all, it couldn't run anything larger than 4 gigabytes, right? Uh, yeah, oh, but it can it can always go the other direction. I mean, it can always support less... a smaller system. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, let's see what's included here. Base... What was the website I tried to get? Uh, it's freedos.org. I just went there and I... www.freedos.org. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Okay, the first time I got a 404. Maybe it's an HTTP. It's not an HTTPS. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> um, yeah, look, oh, there's even a, a diff on what's changed between freedos 1.1 and 1.2. It doesn't say what it requires. Let's see. Source code, history, links, wiki. Huh. Well, Mr. Freedos, we're talking about your product, but we can't figure out what we can do with it. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, download screen. It looks like it only works on PCs? a PC or a PC emulator. Oh, virtual machine. Oh, yeah. So you could, you, well, it's funny, you know, I think, i just remembering back in the day, I used to have that soft PC. I don't remember that one. Mm-hmm. It was before before we had, it was right on classic Mac, right? 68,000 processors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it had a DOS that would run before you launched Windows, right? So if you had, oh, to, sure. if you just wanted to go and well, run. Yeah, uh, so Windows, until, up until Windows 95, I think you always had to have yeah yeah DOS underneath windows was just a program that ran into us at one time yeah no no it, yeah, it's funny yeah I, I don't know if you ever read the book uh, by neil stevenson called um oh you should know this. It should be in front of my memory or here. Comic-Con? Is that the one? No, it was. Uh, it, uh, it's funny. I bought it at um, the MIT store in Cambridge. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I was on a trip there once, and I, I wanted to go see Harvard and Cambridge mm-hmm. and whatever, right? So mm-hmm. went over there, and then and I figured, well, I was at MIT. I got to buy. I got to do something. So I went to the bookstore and bought a book. Mm-hmm. I think it was called something to do with command line. Hang on one second. Neil Stevenson here. Neil, we've talked about it on the show before, of course. Yeah, Cryptonomicon is a great book too. Mm-hmm. About uh, crypto. But have you read the whole Baroque cycle? I haven't. I I read well. So I was I was using um, audiobooks to listen to the first one, mm-hmm. and the the guy who was reading it was so dry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just gave up. So it's kind of a tough read because it's it's pretty long, and yeah, a lot of it is 
was written in sort of a, an old English style, right? Uh, yeah, let the, me see what I remember. But, what did but I, remember? I liked it. I, I managed to get through it. I think I read Quicksilver. Is that the first one? I no. I don't remember which one's the first one. Yeah, I, I read it because it was the first in the in the Baroque cycle, I believe. Reem D was really good. I really enjoyed that one. You know, I haven't read, read that one read. yet. Yeah, you should read that one. It's good. It's pretty pretty recent. Um, I just recently read uh, Seven Eves, which was pretty good. Yeah, so... Not as good so, as some of his earlier stuff, I think. Let's put it this way. One of our former hosts and myself read that, and we both like were, were good with the book up to a certain point, and then it just jumps like yeah. a generation or something. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah, uh, well, yeah, he he sort of let me know what that was, and I just decided not to finish reading it. But oh no, I mean the second part was good too. Was it? Yeah. Okay, I should probably, probably yeah. go back and listen again. Yeah. So yeah, the name of the book I'm trying to remember, in my opinion. But was that? It was a little bit unbelievable, implausible. Oh, okay. Where yeah, the yeah, first yeah. part was very hard sciencey and and very you know for the most part very plausible. It could it could happen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the whole Russian and the people yeah. in the the uh, lifeboats, as it were, right? Right. Right. Uh, the second so the second part. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but yeah, yeah. So there were seven eves. Let's put it that way. You figure it out from there. <laughs> right. Well, that's even a little bit of a spoiler right there, Tim. <laughs> I know. Well, hey, I didn't name the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so uh, the name of the book I'm trying to remember the name of is "In the Beginning" was the command line, right. which is one of my books, right? And that's where the whole the, he, he compares the three camps of operating systems, which is the DOS, Windows camp, the Apple camp, and the Unix camp. And right. at the time, he, he the reason he wrote it was, and it turns out you don't find out until halfway through the book, or at least maybe three quarters of the way through the book, he was writing a manuscript and his computer crashed, so he got mad at operating systems. But mm. so he described when he described the DOS world as DOS being this really cool bicycle that somebody decided to add a motor to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of sort of the analogy of Windows because it was Windows was really this really cool thing sitting on a on an old rickety old bicycle, right? Oh yeah, which is DOS. Yeah. And then, oh, sorry, Mister Free DOS. And then, of course, the Mac version was like this really high powered, you know, shiny sort of Lamborghini kind of car. But you, if you opened up the hood, you couldn't see anything because it was all hermetically sealed, right? And that described classic Mac from the day, right? Right. And then the Unix camp was like this Russian tank that you would just put the thing in, and and all these guys, you know, hanging out at the Unix camp will say, "Hey, come on over here. We'll help you build your own car," right? Right. Kind of thing, right? And it will never break and, down. And never break down. And you could fall off of it and it would keep going forward, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah, that was the whole idea behind Unix, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is why it bugs me every time I install an app on, on Mac OS 10 and it tells me that it needs to restart the Mac after installing an app. I'm like, wait a minute, this is Unix. You know, yeah. shouldn't have to do that. Shouldn't have to do that. Right. Anyway, so in the beginning it was command line. Highly recommend it. It's a short little book, probably, you know, a day or two to read it. Yeah, from 1999. So it's before the, um, before, way before Windows. 98 and uh, OS 10. No, I guess it is around the same time as Windows 98, but yeah, it's, worth, it's a good read. It'll, it'll convince you that there is no good operating system at all. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're all, they all have their, their good, good and bad points. Bring back CPM. Anyway. Huh? Bring back CPM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's my far follow-up on FreeDOS. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get to the follow-up. So um, first thing I want to talk about was I, I was talking about my my iPhone 6 and, um, how, uh, yeah, iPhone 6 Plus and how it, I've been miserable well not miserable but I've, it's been really buggy and i think i showed you some of the rotation bugs i was having uh with it and performance bugs like very laggy like you would i would switch over to i would switch from one app to another and i would go to touch the touch screen it was like the touch screen had just died and i would have to wait you know tapping away on the thing for a few seconds you know milliseconds if you will but like quite long in some cases before the screen would respond in my time and then, then i would get like five taps at once because mm. it had stored them all or whatever right but um and it was really annoying sorry it sounded like you needed to zap your PRAM. Zap my PRAM on my phone. Yeah, exactly. I need to hold on the command option PR key as I rebooted it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but the um, that's that's a throwback for uh, people who've been using Macs for a while. Yeah. So the so the um, or now you have to reset your SMC chip on your Mac. That's mm-hmm. the same sort of thing as zapping your PRAM. But anyway, um, Mike Ash had posted that he had a six plus, and he decided to um, and we all kind of looked at him and went, oh, that's interesting. Uh, he decided to back up his phone and wipe it clean mm-hmm. right and then reinstall like let apple reinstall uh, os 11 from whatever and then restore it with itunes or in his case he used icloud right to restore it and um and then he was back and running in no time right mm-hmm. um so i watched the thread for a few bit and then and a friend of mine rob senior did the same thing and seemed it seemed to perf- improve his performance as well so last weekend i decided okay well i'll do this so i wiped my i backed up my phone with I, t- I use iTunes on 
my computer here and I have a disc that I back up to. And um, I wiped the iPhone 6 Plus. It also ended up wiping my watch, surprisingly. Mm. Um, I guess because the watch got detached somehow, right? Um, and then um, I restored it, right? And of course, it's funny because some of the apps haven't are still sitting in the cloud. Like they've got little cloud icons beside them. So they haven't fully down, downloaded from the app store. But the whole thing restored. All of my, you know, all my settings and all my data, app data is all there, right? And, you know, my, my screenshot. The only thing it doesn't restore, which, which I found out today, which is kind of disappointing because, uh, you know, Gord Downey died today um, as we record. And, of course, I wanted to listen to some tragically hip music on my phone. But, of course, because I just wiped it, it doesn't restore your, your iTunes exact, unless they're from the app store. Like, you can listen to them again. But any songs I manually put on through iTunes are not on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of annoying. So it's just okay. I just can drag them back in from my disc or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it was like night and day in terms of how the, the, the phone performs. Now it's like, it's, it's still a little kind of weird because there's some, I think there's a lot of bugs in or loose ends in iOS 11 still, but it's, it's night and day in terms of performance, much more responsive, much better. Even sometimes that rotation bug I showed you where I get those black boxes, Mm -hmm. they're back. They came back today, which I'm kind of disappointed. But for a while there, I was getting like nice smooth rotations, um, you know, without, without the artifacts and stuff like that. And, uh, it's very similar to Carol's. Carol has an iPhone seven, not a plus, but a seven and, and hers is, is seems to perform better. But I think that seems to be a really good fix for iOS 11 is to actually wipe it, like erase the phone and then reinstall everything from backup. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I've got a couple of iOS, uh, iPhone sevens that, that have been running iOS 11 for a while and have seen no issues at all. On yours? On a couple, on a couple of different phones. Yeah. 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 So it's, I don't know if it's just, well, don't forget mine's three years old. This is an iPhone six, right? right? The original, right, right. original five. 5.7 inch screen, right? Yep. Yeah. So 4.7 inch, right? Okay. No, 5.5. That's a, that's a seven plus six plus. Yeah. So six plus is 5.5 as well. Yeah. Same size. Yeah. So it's a 5.5 is the six plus as well. Right. Right. Yeah. And the six is, is 4.7. I thought you said it was a six. Oh, six plus. Six yeah. Plus. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but it's in super, it was like, but like I'm saying, it was like really hurting. Right. So it yeah. may have been, there was a whole bunch of legacy OS bits and pieces hanging around. I don't know. Old preferences or some old P lists or something like that. Or maybe some, maybe even, some no, I guess would it have 32-bit code somewhere in it? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. Who knows, right? Depends how careful they were about clearing that stuff out when you update. Well, that's to say that maybe they weren't. I mean, and, and so it's, it's you know, I mean, again, what have I got to lose? Because like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to hopefully have a new phone yep. and I'm going to have to do this again anyway. So, you know, what what was I really holding on to, right? Right. <laughs> you know, so yeah. So so if you're having um, issues with your iPhone or older iPhones running uh, iOS 11, if you're finding it really laggy and uh, check out, you know, threads by Mike Ash on uh, Twitter and a whole bunch of people have been repl- replying to his thread saying that, yeah, that worked for them too. It works for me. So of course, like I said, back up your phone first, make sure you're using iCloud backup or iTunes backup. And then, yeah, try it, give it a shot, wipe the phone. And so the other thing is, so what happened was I came, when it came back, I had to restore the watch. Like I had to repair them again, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually I also used a new, um, I don't know if you've seen this new thing. You probably have because you've got a, well, I don't know if it did it with the iPhone 7, but um, it has this new sort of way of setting up the phone where it says if you have another phone like a like an ipad or something put them next to each other right and it picks up the account information from one phone to the other so it picked up all my account information and my id and all that kind of stuff my apple id and everything like that from my ipad i haven't seen that yeah that's pretty cool they're doing they're doing it now with the watch too right interesting yeah so there's some screenshots you you see online about it yeah it's kind of like there's like this interface that comes up and rather than you having to enter your apple id and your credentials and all your passwords again right um um, you just put your phone next to the other one and it picks up. They used to do this kind of thing with airport. Whenever you had like an airport or a base station, right, you could, right. and you wanted to join the network, it would, it would copy the uh, credentials over like the login password and the admin password would all magically get copied over, which is kind of weird. No, I guess you had to, you had to authenticate, but yeah. So I, I just had to do something. I had to, I had to enter a code in or whatever to, to let it happen. Or I had to either pair them by, you know, entering a number. And of course, once I got into the, it's funny when I got, cause my phone, is my was has been my key for my two-factor authentication, right? So fortunately, I was able to get the the, the two-factor. I was generated generate the passcode for my iPad. But yeah, immediately as soon as I went to enter my my Apple ID, it said, "Oh yeah, enter your two-factor authentication code." I'm like, uh, "I'm just setting this phone up," you know. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, I was able to get the retrieve the code from the iPad and punch it in. But you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. the yeah yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that you're trying to restore the phone to the phone that is the one that has the key on it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah. 
yeah, so that was uh, an adventure, well, right? So it's good to know that at least that the, there's some fallback if you run into that problem. Well, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but if you ever had to do this, but if you ever called for support in the early days, they used to say that all the time. Like if I called Rogers for things, it would have you wipe your network settings and yeah. start over again. Like, yeah. like all those sort of, you know, Starbucks and, you know, all those sort of passwords I would have entered over time, like all the network passwords and so all that stuff goes away because that's all in the old keychain, right? Actually, I wonder if it came back. Let me have oh, a look. I wonder if the reason that I don't have any issues with the keychain is because I use iCloud keychain. Yeah, I do too. Oh, now. you started using it. Okay, okay. Yeah, let me see. So while, while you're doing that, a little bit of real-time follow-up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Singapore is actually in the Northern Hemisphere, oh. but just barely. It's at 1.3 degrees latitude north. Hmm. So it's, wow. it's just barely over the equator. So, but is he, is he um, 12 hours ahead of us? or Yeah, but He's in the future for sure. Yeah. Or 12 hours ahead of me, I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds about or maybe right. it's, maybe it's 11. Cause my, my, I just had a conversation with my niece. Um, she's in Ho Chi Minh city, which is not Singapore, but yeah. Ho Chi Minh city is a little further east, I believe. That's Vietnam, Vietnam, Vietnam. right? No, yeah. sorry. No, she's not, in, she's in Hong Kong right now, not Ho Chi Minh. She's oh, okay. moving to Ho Chi Minh at the end of the month. Hmm. Um, where's the world clock here? Actually, Ho Chi Minh is not too far east of Singapore, but it is a bit. And Hong Kong is, is a pretty ways east. Yeah. I don't have, uh, well, I don't know why I would have Hong Kong. On. Oh, Seoul. I have Seoul, Korea on here. That's 2.43 p.m. So it's been there. 13 or 12 hours or 12 hours or 11 hours away. You've been there? I've been Seoul? there. Seoul. Yep. Where, why'd you go there? I went there on business once. Uh, it's actually it's kind of an interesting place. I went to the company I was with. Uh, one of our customers was Samsung. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is when I was back in the in the computer. In the chip days? Crazy yeah. chip days? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it, it, Seoul is actually, or not for Seoul, but Samsung is, is a pretty interesting place in, in, in terms of the security. Uh, and it makes sense given you know the proximity of North Korea to it. It's, it's only about 20 miles away from the border but uh, when you go it's the Samsung plant is is basically like an armed uh, fenced in really? military camp it's there's you have to first you have to drive up to this building that's set away from the actual gate to the to the campus and go in and check in there and you actually have to give them your passport they take your passport and store it away in a in a cubby hole behind behind a desk somewhere uh, for the whole time that you're inside inside the, the campus and then they take any electronics that you got like your laptop or your or your cell phone and they have these stickers and they cover up every single port where you could plug in a cable on your laptop. <laughs> and really? I didn't want to find out what would happen if you came out of there with the stickers removed, uh, but it would have been bad. Uh, and your cell phone, they made you put it in a in a, in a special plastic bag. Wow. I'm not exactly sure what that did because you could see through the plastic bag and you could talk to, on the phone through the bag. But of course, it prevented you plugging anything into it, but, right. but uh, I'm not sure it would actually prevent you from taking a picture of anything, but, but, but it, it it was what it was. Uh, yeah. So, so you have to, you have all this stuff, all the stickers, you have the stickers put on and then the phone in the bag, and then you can go and they take your passport. Then you can go up the main gate with the special badge they give you, and then they'll let you in the main gate. And once you're inside, you can kind of wander around at will, but, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty tight security there. Well, that was, that was a long time ago too, though, right? Like that would have been 10 years ago, seven, 2000. Yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Probably 2007. When did you start developing for iOS? 2000. Late 2008. Oh, so you were on the iPhone OS? Sorry? That was the iPhone OS? iPhone OS, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, 2008 is when they first came out with the SDK, right? Right, that's right. Yeah, I got involved Mm -hmm. fairly, fairly early. Right. And was that just you and your buddy building apps or were you just doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. First app was uh, a poker reference tool called uh, Hold'em Helper. Uh And then second app was Scales and Modes. No, no, there was one called Island in between, uh, which was an app for tracking things that you lent and borrowed people and then and then scales and modes was kind of my first success that was the third one uh and then uh look again followed soon after and trying to search and card poker etc cetera, etc cetera. you know i met you when you were talking about look again with that that's right from that's right the magazine right yep. yeah yeah we were talking to a blogger for one of the uh one of the gaming websites right right yep. interesting huh. yeah people do ask actually so just it's a good thing you went through those because people do ask what we've uh, built in the past so mm-hmm. i've had a few fans ask that um all right so we've yeah, got to put 
put together a website that kind of correlates yeah. stuff and all the, you know, some of the consulting stuff I've done and the different sure. startups I've worked at because it's, I guess it's, it's mostly all on my LinkedIn profile, but right. uh, not everybody will find me there. Sure. Well, you know, on our, on our, uh, who we are page, there's, um, in this, there's a little, uh, widget there that lets you put your LinkedIn link and your Twitter link and whatever. If you want to send them over to me, I'll put them in for you. Oh, okay. And then people can just click on the, on the who we are page yeah. at the bottom of, on the mtjc.fm website. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's move on to the next story. So I don't know about you, but I, we've all been sort of hearing the rumors about the, the, the threat that the iPhone 10 is going to be in super, super short supply. In fact, I had heard one of my friends said that he read somewhere, I think it was this week that um, there was only going to be 400,000 of them shipping, which is low because, you know, you would expect that uh, they would sell millions and millions of these phones right, um, right. on first sale, right? But this uh, report came out uh, yesterday from Mac Rumors saying that um, based on some of the companies that have started shipping um, phones, I guess, presumably to Apple from Zenzu China, um, that they're on target. They're um, So they're saying their uh, supplier, iPhone, iPhone uh, 10 part suppliers reportedly on schedule to meet the 2017 project production demand. So oh, that's great news. That of course, sounds like a, we've, you know, we hear rumors on one side, rumors on the other side. We won't know the truth until it actually happens, but uh, right. Yeah. But it's good news. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Um, yeah. It's funny. Like, I mean, I'd also read the other day that, that a lot of people are, are not looking forward to getting the iPhone 10 and are um, because of the steep price. I read an article the other right, day that right. a lot of people are buying the eight because of that. But I thought the eights were still like the eights didn't have that same typical new, new product uh, glut where, you know, you couldn't get them for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. You right? didn't hear about people lining up in front of the app store at uh, the Apple store for the, the iPhone eight. Really? Oh yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Huh. yeah. So this article here talks about uh, the, this is in um, uh, Mac rumors mm-hmm. uh, talks about, yeah, the manufacturer's Foxconn started shipping its first iPhone 10 units from main plant in Zenzu, China. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, did you hear, uh, you don't really follow Twitter much, but did you see the picture or the, the gif of um, Tim Cook sitting down at some event and he had a, you know, a typical pair of pants on and his iPhone 10 slipped out of the pocket? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. And you could tell like you, all you could see was a really fuzzy picture, but you could see from the, the direction of the camera lens on the, I mean, clearly he's going to have an iPhone 10 because yeah. I mean, they had them at the, at the keynote, right? Yeah, he, but he got uh, number one. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did he? I wonder. No, probably not. Probably the QA team got number one. Yeah. Yeah. So we got one of the first 20. That's for sure. Right. So let's see. Yeah. So by the time this show, this episode comes out, you will have uh, six more sleeps before you'll be able to order a phone because uh, so we can be coming probably on what's today, the 18th, 19th, 20th, 20th, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So three days from now will be the 21st of um, right. 21st of uh, October. So you'll have six more sleeps until the 27th when you'll be able to order phones at midnight Pacific daylight time, which is, you know, 3 a.m. for those of us in the east or east side of the country. Yep. So uh, I I apparently have to order two iPhone 10s for work now. So and then one for myself. So it's going to be tricky. That's what that's what Jaime was laughing about last week was saying that, you know, which which uh, which purchaser gets the priority, me personally or my other company? Like a Mac, you buy through a reseller, right? Like, so, you know, have an authorized reseller, but iPhones only app store and, and the phone, um, carriers can sell you an iPhone, mm-hmm. right? So you can't go to like, uh, you can't go, well, I guess you can go to Best Buy and buy one, right? But, but most of the vendors that would be set up with, uh, with large purchasing departments wouldn't have access to these phones, as far as I know, right? So. Well, they could always set up an account with Apple. Or they could just get me to wake up three o'clock in the morning and order one from them, right? <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> That's well, how you're that up works. anyway at three o'clock usually. No, I'm, not, not these not days. These days. No, I'm up at, if I'm up, at, if I'm up past like a late, oh, sorry, the last couple of days I've been up till two trying to get these apps into the app store. But, mm-hmm. uh, cause you know, it's always like, Oh, I'll take five minutes and upload this app. Right. Yeah. And that always turns yeah. into Three like an hour and a half. Hour. Right. Yeah. 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 Even though, like I said before, the magic upload seems to be working really well. Anywho. All right. So do, what do you know about crack Mark? Uh, I heard about it. <laughs> I'm not talking about crack is cracky smoke. But no, the crack no, yeah. no, this is the, the problem with the WPA two encryption scheme. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell so, me more, Tim. 
Well, so this came out um, a couple of days ago. I think Sunday night I heard about it. Uh, let's see, October 16th. So this would be Monday. Um, and I saw about it because a, a tweet by Rene Ritchie had talked about uh, this this particular um, blog post here, Cracked, the WPA2 exploit that kills Wi-Fi security and what you need to know about it right now. So apparently, uh, don't don't know if I've dug into this big deal about it, but um, there actually is vulnerable. People can figure out how to get past it. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news for Apple-oriented folks is that uh, it sounds like it's already been fixed in yeah in the beta, at least the beta versions of all the operating systems. It's interesting. Airport routers and the time capsules don't appear to be vulnerable to the exploit. That's weird. They we haven't they haven't had an update for that in a while. But uh, oh. so it's something about the key man key management vulnerabilities in a four way four way handshake of the Wi-Fi protected access area two, which is what WPA two stands for, security protocol. So the four way handshake is used to to figure out how to create a key to encrypt the traffic. Mm-hmm. And during that third step, the key can be sent multiple times. So the nuts can be reused. Where are you reading this? I'm, I don't see this in the- I'm looking on uh, uh, this article from iMore, yeah. right? Um, I'm looking just about uh, past the second block quote. It says, according to a researcher who was briefed oh. on the vulnerability, it works by exploiting the four-way handshake that's used to establish a key for encrypting traffic. Mm-hmm. During the third step, the key can be resent multiple times and when it's resent in certain ways the cryptographic cryptographic nunts can be u- reused in a way that completely undermines the encryption so a nunts obviously is, is a key that ne- should only be used once right right um, in fact as you can replay it that's a problem so what they're saying if you want to be safe is avoid public wi-fi's which is always that includes good, google yeah. huh which is always a good thing to do in general yeah um use http only connect to https websites HTTPS. right HTTPS. that are using tls 1.2 yeah. Um, use a wired network. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Use a use a VPN software to be sure. And uh, yeah. if you use a Chromebook or a MacBook, this USB Ethernet adapter is plug and play. Oh, you're talking about. Um, oh, you got a link here, I guess, to a um, a USB adapter. So a Ether a USB Ethernet adapter you can use on a Chromebook or a MacBook. Right. And relax is the the other thing too, right? So yeah. So it pretty much it pretty much I think what I what I read about it was it's not so much that they can steal your personal information is that they can steal your network connection so yeah they can get onto your onto your network and and, and use up your bandwidth and whatever yeah right yeah right i mean in theory they could they could then sniff your incoming traffic and right, especially if it's not encrypted yeah if it's not encrypted right then they can read it yeah if it's https then then you should be fine yeah so i had put in the podcast notes that but i, I see it in the article like you said it's been it's been updated um apple has patched the the, um, the beta softwares and uh yeah so and you know but I I think by the time we most most manufacturers I've heard are 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 on top of it and are working on a, a fix for it. Yeah, yeah. By the time so. this this uh, plays, airs, yeah. airs, yeah, it'll probably be fixed. So another reason why people should update their operating systems and you know operate update their OS and or iOS and that kind of stuff too. So and use you know locks on your use you know, all the typical stuff. Use the HTTPS networks. Use VPNs if you're not sure. Like if you go to a coffee shop or whatever, you should still use VPN software. Yeah, because then you're, then you're encrypting your own traffic, right? So that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's what I know about crack. I don't know about the other kind of crack at all. No, so. not either. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next story was here. Uh, it's just interesting. So Senator Al Franken, who used to be a uh, an actor comedian on Saturday Night Live, who I guess decided he had enough and decided to run for senator years ago. He's been probably been in Senate for quite a while, eh? Ten years. Oh at yeah, least. at least. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, he started quizzing Apple about their Face ID protocols and privacy and security. So he wrote a big uh, letter to Apple quizzing them on that and uh, Apple responded to him which uh, he said he appreciated and um, but he was questioning you know what was it about uh, their security that they were doing and how it worked. Um, uh, so he wrote a letter to Cynthia Hogan, Vice President of Public Policy in the Americas and um, yeah so he, he was happy to see that. So Apple did re- reply back to him uh, confirming that they, how Facebook idea was trained by you know the in the process of by the machine learning to sort of figure out who you were uh, i guess the concerns of war about you know we've talked about this before you know color of skin um ethnicity age different factors like that um and apparently they've trained the, the software according to apple with billions of images um, and they did go around the world and try different uh, different um, types of lighting and ethnicities and things like that so um and then he replied that he was really happy that apple had was forthcoming 
with this information? I guess in light of what happened in San, Ber- San Bernardino a few years ago, I guess Apple sort of got a black mark as far as the government was concerned about you know wi- willingness to cooperate, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not that they were unwilling to cooperate. I mean, I don't mean to imply that, but yeah. they weren't willing to... Well, this this is a different kind of situation. Uh, yeah. But but I think Apple is, is pretty willing, as, as long as you approach them with a reasonable request and you're not asking them yeah. to, to do anything to jeopardize their customers' privacy or, or security. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think Apple is pretty good about this kind of stuff. And, and it just goes to show if, if you if you come across reasonably, like Al Franken generally does, uh, Apple will respond reasonably. Uh, but if you go and, you know, ask you with demands asking for, you know, to, to crack into someone's phone, that's a, that's a very different story. That's unreasonable. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah and they, uh, so the, part of the response was also uh, to publish some uh, white papers on the Face ID, uh, which I've got a link here into another article in um, Mac Rumors um, that talks about that in detail, as well as um, some interviews by Craig Federighi, Federighi, I guess, about some interviews that he did on Face ID back in September. So, yeah, and you can get a PDF of this uh, white paper on Face ID security. I think, did we not talk about this on the show a couple of weeks ago, this Face ID thing? I think we did. From Apple? Yeah. White paper? Yeah. So that was part of the part of the response is that. So if you're interested in this and finding out what it is about Face ID and how it works and how it records your face and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, actually, there was, a, there was, I think they did something in the HIG or something about that, right? That I don't know. Yeah, it was, I think it was in the show previous. So yeah. back to our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. All right. So that's where we are. So, um, do you have a, oh, you have a pick. Okay, cool. I do have a quick pick. All right. Give it to us. So it's it's almost more of a tip. Uh, one of the new things that has come out in Xcode nine uh, that that I really like uh, is there's a there's a new debugging tool, diagnostic tool called the Main Thread Checker, which actually is turned on by default in okay, uh, which is which is unusual. Uh, but apparently, it's it's a pretty lightweight tool. So, so Apple decided that it was it was reasonable to just have it on by default in the in the debug scheme, and so it's it's called the main thread checker. And really, all it does is it checks any calls that need to be on the main thread uh, mm-hmm. to see if they actually are being called on the main thread or if they're oh, cool. on the background thread. And if they're not, it just gives you a little purple notice uh, in your you know runtime warnings and errors, saying that hey, this this method here is being called on on a background thread and needs to be on the main thread. And huh. it doesn't it doesn't crash your app. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't uh, uh, prevent you from building, but it just gives you a nice, special kind of, of warning. And this is this is pretty good stuff. I mean, there there are times when you'll either forget that something comes back, you know, from a network call or something, and you forget that it has to be that you have to right. uh, jump over to the main thread. Or sometimes there's there's API Apple APIs that come back on on a background thread that you don't even sometimes you may not even know because you didn't read the, the documentation closely enough, uh, and it will flag them for you and save you from potential uh, crashes and and performance issues and and all the all the other bad things that can happen when you accidentally try to do things on the on a background thread that you shouldn't like work with the UI anything to do with the UI yeah I was gonna say updating UI yeah yep so that's a great thing it's it's one of the it's it's kind of a small feature but it's a it's a pretty useful feature and and uh, when when it uh, when it saves you you'll appreciate it so so thumbs up on that one that is another good reason to, to jump over to Xcode nine so uh, what I was going to ask was, um, so I'm running Xcode right now and just doing a run and build. So how do, how do, would I see this? So if you go under, if you look at your scheme, yeah. So oh, yeah. go under edit schemes and, and look at your, your developer scheme or your debug scheme rather. Yeah. Uh, uh, so go to edit scheme and then click on run uh, and yeah. then diagnostics. Okay. And you'll see that main thread checker is turned on. Yeah, it's grayed out for me, but it's turned on. Yeah. Huh. It's grayed out. That's interesting. That's grayed out. I wonder wonder why that is. For me, it's completely selectable, checkable. And, huh. well, maybe, maybe because I was in the middle of a run? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Look, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for the beach balls to stop. Uh, <laughs> okay. What beach balls? Yeah, let me close that. Okay, so let me stop. Go back to the scheme. This could be real-time follow-up. You never know. No, nope, still grayed out. Hmm. I don't have any sun sanitizers running, so the runtime sanitizers. It's grayed out. Is it checked at least? Or? It is checked, yes. Okay, so you could never turn it off. That's a little strange. But, yeah. I mean, it, there's not a whole... I do, I'm targeting 10.2. That may be why, right? Oh, maybe. Maybe that's why, yeah. Let me just, for the sake of science, change this to like 11 or something, or 10.3 maybe. 
No, actually, I mean that seems sort of unlikely that that would yeah. be the issue. It's it's weird that you can't turn it off. That's that's pretty strange. I don't know what's causing. Maybe my app is so simple it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Could be. It's only a security app. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not really a security app. It's a security security test app. I'm taking learning about security, physical security. Hmm. All right. Uh, okay, so I have a, a couple of picks. One is a very simple one. I met we hired a new guy, and he told me uh, like the first day on the job, he told me about this thing called three finger swipe do you know about that one? Oh, that has that been around for a long time i think so it's, it's on the trackpad which app what it does is it allows you to move a window on your screen by by just grabbing it with three fingers like you normally i don't know if you know you can command command click in the in the title bar and move a, a window around right mm-hmm. right well this is like you, you do three fingers down and you can move it around and how it works is you under system preferences and they used to be under where we were looking before under um the trackpad but now it's under accessibility. So you go to accessibility and you go down to mouse and trackpad and then you go into trackpad options and there's an enable dragging with three finger drag. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so then you can grab any window and you can move it around by just putting your three fingers down on your trackpad and then grabbing the window and then you can move it around. It doesn't seem to work on every window though. It doesn't work on Zoom for some strange reason. But yeah, like, uh, like if I grab the accessibility window. I don't know. I just tried it. It's not even working on accessibility. the accessibility window. <laughs> <laughs> no, did you, you did change it to three finger drag, right? Yeah. Well, let me double check. In the, in the accessibility window. Oh, I see. Yeah, you got to go in there. Yeah. Then you can just grab any window. Grab any window. Just put oh, there. Okay. You have, to, you have to grab it in the title bar. You can't just grab it anywhere in the window. Yeah, it depends on like some like some. I just dragged. I just dragged something around in. Uh, it's it's sort of like it's it's similar to like um, putting the mouse down and holding onto something because I just went into um, an app which is like a table view controller where you can move the, the rows around mm-hmm. and uh, so I can do the three finger drag and pick one of the rows up and move it around hmm, okay. or grab the window. But anyway, that's the kind of handy little trick that this uh, three-finger drag does for you. Yep. Saves you having to, uh, I guess, saves you having to put, put, use two fingers to do it with a command key, right? Yeah. That, I actually just usually grab the window with the left button click and hold it. Yeah, yeah, places. yeah. But this is just this is just like, it's kind of gentle because you're just putting your fingers down and, and wiggling them, right? So, yep. but yeah, you're right. It, seems, it only seems to work in the title bar. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, that's my pick. Thanks, Tammy. Right, nice pick. <laughs> Well, good thing you have another pick, huh? Yeah. Okay, this is the redemption pick. Go ahead. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so this other pick is uh, we talked about last week or two weeks ago, I guess, when Apple brought out uh, iTunes 12.7, that they had taken away the app screen from iTunes, so we couldn't drag uh, IPAs onto uh, into it and then install them by syncing, as we used to do back in the day oh. when you want to sideload uh, an IPA. So they've now released iTunes 12. 6.3, which is an update to 12.6 that allows you to uh, install the old school iTunes with the apps menu for both Mac and Windows, uh, separate binaries, of course. But uh, this allows you to uh, restore the behavior of iTunes that you have come to know and love. And I believe this would also support um, uh, managing apps by iOS instead. This probably will support uh, the new um, devices as well, I would think, right? The uh, 12, or because I think 12.7 came out with with the release of the iPhone 8, right? Uh, well, it's iOS 11. Yeah, which did come out of... Oh, 11. Yeah, 11 yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, Good. yeah. So there's a link here in the show notes for people to go and download uh, iTunes 12.6.3. So I guess that's my pick, iTunes 12.6.3. Mm-hmm. So Very off you go. Go get it. The other way to do it is to, if you want to drag... Um, if you see your phone in the sidebar in iTunes 12.7, you have to drag the IPA from the Finder into the window, and it would kind of a, a pe- like highlight, and then it would install by uh, syncing uh, directly. Yeah. But that didn't always work on every Mac. I don't know if you, what your experience was like with that, right? Uh, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. It was super frustrating. So it was much easier to drag the app into the apps area of the iTunes and then and then select it and do a sync, right? Right. Yeah. And you could go through and pick and choose which apps would get installed or which ones would get removed and uh, the old way. And I guess you could rearrange the uh, your desktop or your or your different desktops on your springboard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could set yeah. up. Yeah, you could you could uh, you could even have look at multiple pages at the same time and rearrange right. all, all the apps there a little bit faster than doing it manually on the phone. Right, right. Yep. So that's uh, that's it. Our picks of the week. Okay. Yep. Tammy had a pick. Yeah. I wonder if Tammy had a pick. We'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. Lost in time. Yeah. Like tears and rain. Have you seen the new Blade Runner yet? No, I haven't yet. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we had to do a spoiler-free episode or review of it last week for Jaime because he hadn't seen it mm-hmm. at, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, 
um, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Mark, if people want to get a hold in touch with you, uh, how would they do that? Send me an email at markr at smapsoft.com or all right. tweet at, at smapsoft. All righty. And, uh, yeah, so as I t- say, top of the show all the time, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T on the Twitter machines. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. So this woman is not showing up. Yeah, it sounds that way. Yeah, <laughs> he's completely Where, forgotten about. Where's me again? He's in Portland. I think he's working oh, in. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Could, and Jet and Greg's in Singapore today, right? right? So and he's up. So I don't know what, what he's doing. <laughs> to get him on the Zoom meeting. Yeah, it sounds like and he's at a conference. I think. Right? Some more backups. Some extra backups. So I don't know if it makes the news makes it down there, but uh, Gord Downey, the guy I talked about last year, yeah, that, yeah. You saw the tragic you heard, guy. He, heard he passed away. Yeah, I heard he. Yeah, I heard about that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even our prime minister, who I think he's he was a you know he'd met him a number of times and stuff like that. So Justin Trudeau was was holding back the tears today when he was talking about him as okay. you know being a great Canadian and stuff like that. Did we talk about Tom Petty last time? Uh, two episodes ago. Yeah, two we did. Ago. We did. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but I think that had just happened too. Why? Why do you ask? Uh, just on the top topic of rock stars who have died recently yeah yeah exactly. well it's like we were saying the other day like like when i went and saw uh, roger waters and i was yeah. talking to carol about it and she just sort of said well you never know yeah <laughs> and that was right after tom petty had passed away right so yeah. and then and again you know i got to see gord downey um or the tragically hip i saw them twice three times in the last you know as many years i think mm-hmm. right so and i so, so i saw them play um at in an arena in oshawa i saw them play at nathan uh, D- young and dundas square which was just sort of impromptu concert they put together one night and that was actually before we recorded a podcast and then uh yeah and of course this last tour we everybody knew it was his last tour because he had, he had been diagnosed already so mm-hmm. yeah they even made a movie of it and and the movie was supposed to come out next friday on tv uh, and they've, they've, they've pr- brought it forward to this friday so okay yeah that's cool yeah a friend of a friend of mine worked on that movie too so yeah. like and production wise do you have any pending upcoming shows no no i mean that, that was it the, no, the, the no, last I mean, not of him but i mean just in general who of the band? anyone no i mean are you do you, do you oh me uh, well like, yeah one one episode really quietly about it was uh Diana, i have tickets to diana crawl i got that? for carol's birthday hmm? i don't even know who you know is. she's a jazz pianist oh okay yeah. she's married to um married to elvis costello actually oh okay but she's canadian she's from um nanaimo bc mm-hmm. but she, yeah she's she's like the if like you know who oscar peterson is yeah yeah okay well she's sure. that caliber of performer oh okay okay and she's like probably canada's number one jazz pianist i think right now mm-hmm. very good you should check her out carl k-r-a-l-l okay and then um we're going to see pink martini again and yeah i haven't got any rock shows coming up in, in, anytime soon but mm-hmm. but i'm definitely sold on those seats on the side of the stage like yeah. you know i mean the view the view of the show may be crap but like you're right there in front of the right there with the band practically right yeah so i, I imagine it, it varies from act to act how yeah, yeah. Are. You know, some acts you kind of want to have a center view, and well, it depends. I think the thing is that if you're if you're at like a place like Massey Hall where it's a proper stage, right, mm-hmm. and and they have wings, you know, um, and if you're sitting in, in the corner, you're going to have a really obscured seat, right, right. and, and right. you're you're sitting below the stage. Whereas in an arena or like a like a hockey arena or or basketball arena, you're sitting up, right. So uh, chances are you're going to have a good view, and and um, the other issue is whether the audio is 
is is going to be whether well, you need to see it in stereo right kind of right, thing right that's always a big thing but um but lately i mean like it's been so hard to get tickets i've been getting them up in the nosebleeds right and uh so i can sit you know 200 feet away from the stage you know and have somewhat of a decent view you're sort of sitting at an angle with your with your body turned or get these these seats at the side of the stage and, and you're closer you know to the action and you can actually see the the performer you know what kind of thing like they're not like a little speck on the stage so mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to hard to say what venue is best right why has it been hard to get tickets lately you were saying well i don't know about you guys but we have we have this Ticketmaster thing right yeah. and um and what happens is the bots just get in there and just gobble up all the tickets oh, like yeah. in a matter of seconds right like i think i mentioned on the show that that i thought was kind of interesting that um robert plant show had uh, a lottery right where you could put your name on a list and they would they would randomly pick you from a hat and send you a link and you got to buy tickets well by the time the lottery came around and i, I you know i didn't get notified that i that i was a winner and then when i went to look for seats they were just completely gone right so yeah well one trick and maybe i'm giving away some secrets here if this goes yeah. on, but uh, one trick is because of the bots a lot of those tickets show up on places like StubHub. yeah and if you wait until very late you know just maybe even the day of the show if you want to take the risk yeah, sometimes yeah. really really good seats show up and yeah. as it gets closer to the, to the time of the show the price just drops because people just want to get rid of them get them they don't want to get stuck with them right right so sometimes you can get amazing uh, seats for for pretty cheap yeah it's yeah. always yeah it's always a game of chicken right it's how long do you want to wait yeah. uh, and and maybe you can't get a seat uh versus you know waiting until the, the price drops but yeah that's it i guess that depends on how how badly you want to see the show and, and how much <laughs> you're willing to spend well like i so i i found subhub actually because uh i had tickets to see steve hackett and mm-hmm. i bought them close to our cottage i thought we would go up to the cottage for the weekend and then drive down and, and watch the show and turned out that logistically wasn't going to work and so then i found stubhub and was able to you know, get rid of the tickets I, I think i sold them for less than i paid for them yeah. kind of thing right yeah. but uh but like exactly like you said i just was like within a day or so of the show i sold them right mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. i don't know i um i mean the other the other option is if you really want to see a show there are there still are the scalpers right um i went to a show with a friend of mine i went to see you two with a, with a friend of mine uh from the bank actually and he, he's he lives out in out, outside the city and he ran into a guy he went to high school with and and he was telling me that, that uh, you know they stopped and talked the guy was a scalper that he ran into and he sort of said their whole family has been doing this this scalping business for years and like you know you can always get tickets to things if you like if you want to if you want to see something you know let's go pay a scalper a little bit more money and yeah and sometimes you get good seats but yeah it's just sort of like like acts like robert plant and stuff like that you know they're gonna want like way too much money you know yeah, sort of thing yeah, right yeah like it was amazing to see roger waters for like 99 bucks i mean come on yeah i spent a lot more than that no i know but you you like i said the seats right in the next row over from me or the next section over from me were like 250 dollars yeah, and i think you've yeah. had you spent around that much that's, that's all what i spent yeah I think the Eagles were the ones that started that whole thing when they when they were doing their their last bunch of tours, right? You know, after hell froze over, they they came back around a couple of times and and they wanted like you know four hundred bucks a seat, and yeah. it, you know, admittedly, and I think Fleetwood Mac was doing that for a while too. Don't yell at me if you're a Fleetwood Mac fan, but they were charging a lot of money. I think I think probably because they had to charge that kind of money because they weren't getting any other income otherwise, right? Yeah, well, that's I think exactly that, it. So uh, this is a this is a trend that I've been hearing about and, and noticing that that tickets are way more expensive just on average than they used to be. And and the reason I believe is that uh, it's very, very hard now with all the digital music for artists to make money off record sales. They, yeah, they don't yeah. Make, they don't they make, they make pennies off of iTunes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the only way they can make a living is is through touring. And, uh, yeah. and so they have to raise yeah. prices. Yeah. yeah, anyway. Which is kind of ironic because things have come full circle. That's the way it used to be, right? Musicians used to put out records only to support the tour. Yeah, they, well, they used to go on tour to support the record, but they would go to a handful of cities. It wasn't like yeah. now where, you know, you go on tour for two years kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But you're totally right. It's like, you know, they used to make money through the record companies, through the contracts that they had, right? And then but then when things like, like Napster basically started the whole de- decline, and that's why bands like um, those guys, the Inter Sandman guys, Metallica, yeah. got so bent out of shape about, about people downloading stuff for free, right? Because all of a sudden they just saw the bottom fall out of their 
income, right? And um, and I think part of the reason why we're seeing more bands now than we would have seen back in the day. Like, I mean, how many bands have you seen in the last fifteen years, right? Yeah, hold on. Compared to how many you saw before that, right? Right. Like now, like people you never would have. Th- I mean, I just saw Edgar Winter, like Edgar Winter group, and I saw Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, he's always never, he never stopped touring. And Deep Purple. I mean, like these guys. I mean, as far as I know, hadn't been coming around for a long time, right? You know, and uh, especially here, right? And you know, I saw Joe Cocker a couple of years ago, and but his show was funny. Very, his show was very much like the kind of thing you'd see at a casino, right? It was very polished, and mm. you know, with the backup singers and all that kind of stuff. And it just, it just struck me as very odd to see it at, at a place like the, the Budweiser Theater, which used to be called the most amphitheater downtown Toronto, right? But uh, and he opened for Steve Miller. Is it, is it actually that the bands are coming around more, or is it more that now that you're older and you're more, you, know, you have more resources, you can, you can actually go to more shows when when you were younger and money was tight yeah you might not have gone to as many well it's it's kind of a mix because i mean like it's funny because carol's my second sort of relationship serious relationship marriage whatever you want to call it and we've been together for 20 some odd years now right so but when we first met in the late early 90s you know she hadn't gone to any shows when she was younger right Mm -hmm. so for me it was like uh um you know we were she was she was listening to she had a couple of doobie brother albums and and the doobie brothers were just coming around again right and the, I don't know if you remember the guy who wrote China Grove and and uh, all those kind of songs um, back in the day. He left the band for a while. I think he had issues, and but he had just come back to the band. I've forgotten his name, but uh, he was the guy that, that sang all that stuff, and he and yeah. he played the really fast rhythm guitar, right? Right. Not um, Michael McDonald, but the guy before him. Yeah, Michael McDonald was with them too. That was right. kind of interesting. Right. Interesting tour, but but they came back, and so I sort of said to her, I said, "Hey, do you want to go see?" We were driving home. We, we were driving home in two separate cars, and I stopped at the light and jumped out and said, "Hey, you know, do we?" Brothers playing downtown at Ontario Place. Do you want to go see them? And she said, "Just said sure." So we just both of us did a U-turn and we went and bought tickets from a scalper. She'd never seen anybody buy tickets from a scalper before either, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we bought these scalp tickets and we went and saw the Doobie Brothers play. And and that was the beginning. I think the Doobie Brothers, you know, was the first kind of, kind of time that I decided, okay, well now then you know more and more bands that I'd be interested in started coming around, right? Mm-hmm. So um, and I just started going to more. Yeah, so you're right. It is partly the, the bands are more suited to our, to our tastes now. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to say, but I, th- I think I think I think that I definitely get the sense that a lot of bands are coming around more often now because because that's the only way to make money is as and theoretically that's why they're doing this. The reason they got into playing music was to play music, right? You know, right? Yeah. So even Barry Manilow goes out on tour <laughs> and he's a song. And Neil Diamond, I think Neil Diamond's coming back around Toronto and all that kind of stuff again. Yeah. So yeah. not that I would go. I mean, I don't know. He could be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's a very '60s thing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. 70s, right?